This is a GRDC podcast. I wonder, do you think it's getting hotter? Do you think your rainfall patterns, notwithstanding the Eastern Australia drought, are changing? Are you experiencing more frosts? Well, those questions are answered in a new series of climate guides produced by the Bureau of Meteorology, CSIRO and FarmLink as part of the federal government's drought assistance package. Around 57 guides have been produced based on natural resource management areas and follow an extensive 12-month consultation period involving about 50 meetings with local farmers, farming groups, land management groups, scientists and other interested parties. The guides remove the gut feel you may have had about changes to your climate and replace it with facts, comparing the past 30 years with the 30 years before that. A really interesting proposition. I caught up with one of the Climate Guide authors, bomb climatologist Joel Lisenby, to talk about these new climate guides. We know that farmers know the land they work on. They take their own observations. They see it every day. We're worried that sometimes people construct the idea of their climate based on some really extreme events that have caught them out by surprise in the past or maybe just the last few years. And our memories sometimes are a little bit shaky the farther back we go. So we wanted to provide some information that would cover the entire country with some very easy to interpret and low-tech solutions that people could look at and quickly get an idea of what the climate in their region was. And so that's where the idea of climate guides came from. The idea of comparing two different periods came a a little bit later in the project as we were going around the country and asking people in each of the regions, what is the information that you want the most? What are the key ingredients to have a successful farm in this region? What is it that you need to understand the most? And some of the feedback we got fairly early on was when you plot our rainfall history or temperature history and you just draw a straight line, a linear trend through that, that can be a little bit misleading because uh, if you have some uh, some skewed data or some high variability, just a trend line gives the wrong idea. And so in discussions back and forth we said, well what if we were to compare the climate now with the climate a generation ago? So we picked 30 years because it's long enough to pick up the variability and it's short enough to be representative of now. And so we took the last 30 years, we had complete data up to the end of 2018, and so we took 1989 through 2018 and we used that to represent the climate now. And then we also took 1959 to 1988 as the most recent climate period. And we were able to easily tell the story of if you're working on a farm now, this is what you can expect, and it is different from what the farm your father or grandfather farmed. Well, let's pick on a region, just random, I suppose, and and go through it just to see what all this work, and it's taken you, what, 12 months or so? Uh, Yeah, yeah. The the project started in October of 2018, and our goal was to deliver by October 2019, and so to 12 months all up. Okay, so uh, what shall we look at? Uh, the Condamine region is a good okay, uh, the example. Okay, region in, uh, in Queensland. In Queensland. Okay. Overall, across the Condamine region, the annual rainfall has decreased by around 9%. When we compare the 1959 to 1988 period with the 1989 through 2018 period, we see a 9% decrease in that. Now, 
the rainfall across the region is it's summer dominant and it's relatively high compared to more inland regions from that and nine percent is still within the variability that naturally happens across the region in the condomine region they have some very wet years and some very mm. dry years yeah. and yeah. so while there's that decreasing trend you still get really big swings and a large range to that the July to September rainfall, the spring rainfall is very important, but that's that's been had a significant decrease. Yes, so I, I think that's that's one of the dangers of looking at annual averages or annual totals. But when you're really reliant on particular seasonal rainfall, the annual story might lose some of that detail. So we looked specifically at the rainfall leading into spring. So it's July, August, and September combined total rainfall from the previous period, 30-year period, to the later 30-year period, and we saw a 27% decrease there, which is a, a change from an average of 110 millimeters in the previous 30-year period to 80 millimeters in the latter period. Yeah, which is incredibly significant, and growers must have known that that was happening or had a feel that that was happening. I think they have, especially if you've been working a farm for several generations, you would have noticed that the farm that you're working now, the rainfall patterns leading into spring and the soil moisture available through spring is less than it was when your father was running the farm or your grandfather had it. Mm. What about other areas that may not be summer dominant rainfall? The autumn break, for instance, in southeast Australia, how was that sort of faring in terms of change? There were a few particular regions where the autumn break is coming later. So I guess the southeast part of Australia is, is a little bit large and there's not one answer that would apply to everywhere. Mm, yeah. um, one region where the autumn break was notably later was in the Karangamite region of Victoria. The farmers in that region told us that they watch for about a 25 millimeters of rainfall over three days as their autumn break. And so when we looked at the, t the average timing of that, it's becoming between one and two months later now than it was in the earlier 30-year period, which is a, a really big difference. We didn't see a difference that big anywhere else across the southeast. Uh, some areas are, are seeing slightly later, two to th four weeks later. Some areas are seeing it a little bit earlier. Um, parts of South Australia, in fact, we're mm. seeing a week or two earlier on average, but you're looking at an, an, a 30-year average with a large variability, so it, it's really hard to know exactly what to expect in these areas that have a high variability, but mm. the Karangamite was one region where the autumn break was definitely changing. What about over in the Western Australia? What trends were you seeing over there? In Western Australia, we're seeing a trend across most of the southwest of a decrease in winter rainfall. What I have opened here is an example for Meriden in the wheat belt where the annual rainfall hasn't changed a whole lot. Parts of the wheat belt have actually seen a slight increase, parts have seen a decrease, and when we look across the region averaging at all, annual rainfall doesn't show a huge change. But in the months of April, May, June, we're seeing a really large decrease in that winter rainfall, especially during those three months. And where is that moving to? Is that moving later in the season? Or? It is. So particularly at Meriden where we were able to look at the 30-year averages for that one-point location, the decrease in April, May, June is a little bit made up for in July, August, and September, but the biggest increase was actually came in January. Okay, moving into the Mo summer. Moving into the summer. Yeah. Uh, so you're seeing that seasonal shift yeah. in, in that rainfall. Speaking of summer, temperatures, that was another issue that you looked at. Let's go back to Condomine, Boral Condomine. Yep. 
So what did you notice there in terms of uh, temperature? We found an increase in the number of very hot days across the Condamine region. We counted the number of days at Dalby Airport where the temperature got above 35 degrees. And this has increased from about 14 days per year in the earlier period to about 22 days per year in the, the last 30 wow. years. Yeah. This is a very similar pattern that we're seeing across most of southern and eastern Australia. Frost, did you measure and have a look at frost as well? We did have a look at frost. As we were talking to people in the, our workshops across the country, we asked a lot of questions about when and how is frost impactful. And consistently we were told that late frosts, frosts that push into spring, are especially mm. damaging to wheat crops. Absolutely. So we tried to have a look at when the timing of the first and last frosts were changing. We were able to look at this across most of the regions and there wasn't really a consistent trend across the regions. In the Condamine region, for an example, we looked at Dalby and Oki airports and we didn't see a huge shift in the seasonality of frost across the Condamine, although uh, it looks like the number of winter frost days has decreased during the really cold parts of the year. What about the spring frost? Are they increased at all? Overall, there's a decrease in spring frost, but it's pretty small. Yeah, but we must remind people who are listening that these uh, guides, we're only picking on Condamine as an example, that these guides cover virtually the whole of Australia. Yes. Yeah, so they can go and check out their own areas quite easily. That's right. So frost temperature, rainfall, and the timing of rainfall, that's pretty much what it's all about, isn't it? Yes. As we were creating these, we limited ourselves to four pages, and so mm. we had to make some hard choices about what to include and what not to include. So what, what other things did you Yeah, well, one of the analyses that we did, especially for parts of South Australia and Victoria, was we looked at the timing of the first day above 32 degrees in spring. And we were told that this is important for joining lambs. When the temperature gets above 32, you come into fertility issues. So we wanted to know when on average is that first 32 degree day and is it changing? And across most of the south part of the country, we found that first day above 32 is coming earlier by three to four weeks in some cases, which is a, a really big learning. Mm -hmm. um, I think this first, this first came out of our workshop in Broken Hill. They said this would be really important to us and we looked at it and we're like, wow, that's a big change. Overall then, is it becoming hotter? Is it becoming drier? What's your overall trend thinking? So most of the country, especially across the south and eastern part of the country, you're getting warmer. And it's not just an increase in your average temperature. You're seeing more hot days and more very hot days. Uh, a lot of the country seeing more days above 42 and days above 45. That, that count is increasing. Across the tropics, the trend's not quite as stand out for temperature. Rainfall is, is a bit of a mix. We looked at rainfall at individual locations, and some locations were seeing a slight increase, some a, a slight decrease, especially when we're looking at, at annual rainfall. When we looked at individual seasons, we saw a bigger change in individual seasons. We already talked about Western Australia that are seeing less winter rainfall, and that's shifting towards summer. But one of the hard things about working out how rainfall is changing across Australia is that Australia has highly variable rainfall naturally anyway. Mm -hmm. um, most of Australia is either a desert or sitting on the fringe of a desert where you can get some very wet years and some very, very dry years and consecutive dry years together. 
And so when we looked at overall trends or changes, we could measure percent differences, but then we would look at how does that stack up against your natural variability anyway. And it really, there was a lot of noise to try to sift through and yeah. it's hard to make any yeah. any hard and fast yeah. claims. Yeah. I think that if you're concerned about how your rainfall is changing or if, if you think your rain's fault's changing and you want to just check that against data, have a look at the guide for the region you're interested in and yeah. have a look at any particular location you have and you'll see that some places are getting wetter, some places are getting drier and a lot of places but everywhere is getting have, a bit hotter. Yeah, everywhere is getting hotter. <laughs> yeah. And I think everywhere has its ups and downs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose, it, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, the guides will, uh, I suppose, prove positive that the climate is changing and that farmers, well, they know this, they need to be adaptive and they need to adapt to it. Yes, I, you're exactly right. And I hope that that's the outcome that comes from this. We didn't come into this with climate change on our mind. We came into this thinking, how can we highlight the variability that people face and how can we help people understand what are the risks with having a farm business in that region and how is that risk changing? And I think as people look through these guides, they'll see a few things that they'll need to change. Now, here's the URL address for the Climate Guides, or you can follow the link in the story notes. It's www.bom.gov.au forward slash climate forward slash climate guides. And there's a hyphen between climate and guides. My name is Chris Brown, and I was speaking with Joel Lisenby, a climatologist with the Bureau of Meteorology. Meteorology.